From Microsoft New Zealand, I'm Daniel Larson and this is Azure Lunch, a podcast about Microsoft Azure in short digestible chunks where we discuss cloud computing from a Kiwi perspective with architects, engineers and technical specialists from around the world. Azure Lunch is sponsored by Microsoft FastTrack for Azure, a team of engineers and program managers dedicated to helping you to be successful in Azure. Learn more at azure.com slash FastTrack. At Microsoft Build 2019, I spent time talking to some of the people who build the products and services that run on Azure and on Windows. In this Build special, I combined two interviews, the first with Dan Rossanova, Group Program Manager for Azure Messaging, and the second with Craig Lowen, Program Manager for Windows Subsystem for Linux. But first, let's hear Dan Rossanova talk about two of the amazing messaging services provided by the Azure platform. Azure Service Bus and Event Hubs, including the recently announced Availability Zone support and Azure Event Hubs for Apache Kafka. This is Dan here on the Azure Lunch podcast at Build, this Build special, and I'm very happy to be talking to Dan Rossanova, who's uh, on the... You introduce yourself, Dan. What's your, what's your title at Microsoft? Sure, I'm a uh, Group Principal Program Manager in uh, Azure Core, and I focus on Azure's messaging services. Messaging services, so that includes Service Bus? Service Bus, uh, Event, Event Hubs. Hubs. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And uh, also a very stylish man. We are uh, always uh, impressed by your dress sets, and we've had a few tweets on that this morning, so that's good. Thank you. More comfortable shoes today. Yeah, no, that's good yeah. to see. That's good to see. And you're right. We need to improve the uh, developer fashion uh, game. It's just uh, it's not happening. But anyway, we'll keep working on that. But anyway, back to serious business. So let's start with um, for our listeners who aren't super familiar with messaging, hub sub models, things like that. I mean, how would you describe? Let's start with Service Bus. Its place in the, the modern, you know, um, uh, developer or, or uh, infrastructure ecosystem. I mean, how would you describe it and your product and your offering today? Yeah, I would say Service Bus is the most, uh, the closest thing we have in Azure to a traditional sort of enterprise message broker, which is a, a technology that's existed for 30 or 40 years. It's in enterprises everywhere. Uh, generally, it's like it's like to messaging what date what the relational database is to storing data exactly. for an application. So you're going to find it everywhere. It's a tool people have used just because it's the only tool they had for a long time. And it does some things particularly well, especially if you need very high reliability, instantaneous consistency, you know, these enterprise messaging type features. Um, but really it's nowadays more of a special case uh, sort of tool, special purpose tool. And if you're doing things like JMS, it would feel very natural to you. And actually, cool. I'm sitting here at the Azure Migration booth, largely because a, a lot of customers as they're moving to the cloud are looking for how can I get rid of these IBM MQ or ActiveMQ or TIBCO EMS mm -hmm. systems I have and uh, service bus is the answer to that. So. Right, so if you're coming from those from those traditional systems, I mean, is there a migration process or are we plugging into their protocols? How does that work? Yeah, so if you're using uh, ActiveMQ in particular, it's a fairly simple, uh, from a protocol level, they're both AMQP based, uh, but uh, most commonly people are doing JMS, so Java messaging. Um, yeah, okay. And that API, uh, we actually work with Apache Cupid with that for most features today, probably 80%. Mm -hmm. And we're closing that gap quickly, okay. and we're committed to closing it. So we want it to be as simple as you change your JMS driver and your application, and it will just work. Okay. And for our BizTalk and integration friends, you know, have come from that world where we think about guaranteed delivery, we talk about you know guaranteed ordering of delivery, you know, large message sizes, sizes, hydration, dehydration, that sort of thing. I mean. 
is that something that I would slot into that sort of environment as I'm moving into the cloud, combining that with other services? Absolutely. If you were familiar with the BizTalk message box, yes. Service Bus is the next generation of that. Right. Okay. Uh, they even had some common engineering behind yeah. them is way back right? when. Yeah. So uh, it's it's definitely the direction. Yeah, uh, you would look for if you're coming from the message box. Okay, good stuff. And Event Hub, so Event Hub's you know high speed, massive scale ingestion. You know, my I guess naive understanding of this is if I've got lots of incoming messages in, into Azure that I want to get across the edge as quickly as possible, so I can offload and let my clients continue on their way. You know, that's where Event Hub's is sitting today. Yeah, I would say the the, the big thing that separates Event Hub's from the other messaging services, it is a streaming sort of telemetry and logging. Uh, animal, that's what it's good at. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the biggest thing that makes it different, I would say, is that most of the time, rather than in in service bus or even in event grid, where the unit of work would be the individual message, the thing that's important is one specific message. The unit of work in a stream tends to be a partition of data. So, like some stream, it's a stream, it's a sequence of messages that are important, and you might process them together or do moving averages or whatever right. signal processing, type windowing stuff. that sort of stuff. Absolutely. So it's it's a it's a different thing. Uh, it, it, you get some benefits with it. One, it's a client-side cursor rather than server-side cursor. Oh. So it's cheaper for us to run, which means that it's cheaper for us to give you, right. and it scales better because it's not a competing consumer model. Right. So there's some subtle differences. Then there's some other benefits you get, like that uh, that you can reread messages. Since it's a client-side cursor, you just reset your cursor, and you can start over and read messages again. Mm. So you get some different characteristics, but yes, it's, it's definitely not a replacement for a queue. Don't no. try to build a queue on it just because no. it's cheap. It'll be very hard. Yes. Um, but it is excellent at that. Yes, just flow everything in, uh, fan in a bunch of data from different places, yes. a bunch of stuff. And then really excitingly for things like doing event sourcing, yes. event sourcing was an architectural pattern that was very hard to do with queues. So it kind of died out a few years ago. Right. But now with things like event hubs and with Kafka, you can actually do it and, and it actually works. And it's not, you no longer need to be a rocket scientist to make it actually work. Yeah, it's outstanding. So let's talk about Kafka, because when was that? We announced the Kafka client compatibility with Event Hubs. When was that last year? Uh, yeah, that was a build last year, and then we GA'd it in November. And, awesome, uh, congrats. Yeah, thank you. It's been really popular so far, and yes. we have all of the defaults are supported today, and we're working over the rest of this calendar year to get every feature for Kafka supported. Every feature? Yes. Wow. Yeah, and so on the protocol level, because we don't actually host no. uh, Kafka, we exactly. are using the protocol translation layer. Yes. And so we wrote the protocol in .NET. It's, I think it's a great example of open source kind of being better than open standard in some yeah. ways because yeah. the Kafka community decided we will document this protocol and Kafka, Apache Kafka is the reference implementation. Yes. And so now we know, and this is in a way, in my opinion, kind of better than what we ended up with with AMQP, is yeah. that now you know how it should work and how it really does work. Yeah, you which know. is driven by the community and their feedback over many years. Absolutely, and uh, Kafka is one of the healthiest uh, Apache projects from yes. a community standpoint, and, uh, but there are quite a few that are very healthy right now. And uh, yeah, it's, it's something we're really uh, passionate about supporting yeah. and we are excited to see all the growth in that area. Okay, cool, all right. And so for my um, some of my enterprise customers, they're really interested in availability and disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, availability zones with Service Bus have been really exciting for me. This is a fairly recent announcement. Can you tell me more about why availability zones would be important for a, for a product like Service Bus and Azure? Uh, yes, absolutely. Especially getting back to where we started with Service Bus, this really tends to be 
used. The place you would still need this today tends to be when you're moving money and material or ownership of money and material. Right. So having really high availability is critically important and never losing data is critically important. And uh, operational downtime can hurt very badly. So having availability zones gives us that extra layer of availability by spreading across you know, three data centers, three physically separate data centers with independent network and power so that you really things like a lightning strike or uh, a fire won't bring down your service bus. Yes. So you just keep running. So we, we have a pretty good story there. Event Hub supports it as well. Oh, cool. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, for better or worse, we don't charge any more for it. That's amazing. So, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Dan. Well, I really appreciate you talking to us on the Azure Lunch Podcast. Thanks very much. And Thank enjoy you. the rest of build. Thanks. Next, we hear from Craig Lowen from the Windows Subsystem for Linux team. Yes, you heard that right. For three years now, Microsoft have been shipping a Linux subsystem in Windows 10, which means you can use many Linux commands at the command line inside Windows. Now that was pretty mind-blowing stuff in 2016, but now that all seems par for the course because at Microsoft Build 2019, we announced that this year we will ship a full Linux kernel in Windows 10 as part of the major improvements in the next version of the Windows subsystem for Linux, WSL2. Here's Craig to tell us all about it. Cool, so Craig, you're on the WSL team, is that yep. right? Yeah, and that's correct. So let's start from the beginning. For somebody who doesn't know what WSL or the Windows Subsystem for Linux means, mm -hmm. I mean, what is it and why is it important? <laughs> so it's basically, it's our goal for it to be the best way to run Linux on Windows. Right. It lets you run um, unmodified L64 Linux binaries on Windows. Okay. So that's the technical way of describing it. Really, why it's awesome and why it's boring is if you're a Windows developer, you gain access to this whole wide world of Linux. Uh, so you can use things like package managers and Linux applications uh, all directly on Windows without having to worry about like spinning up a complicated VM or dual booting. Um, and then if you're somebody who really loves Linux, then when you use a Windows machine, you can retain access to your favorite workflows. Mm -hmm. um, so still use your favorite tools or like your package manager, your favorite distro um, while working on a Windows machine. Okay. So you might get benefits of like let's say you have to run Photoshop Right? Yes. And that runs on Windows, it doesn't run on Linux. Right. Um, but you still want to develop on the back end exactly. uh, with like Node.js and a Linux environment. Yes. WSL is a way to do that. Okay, so I'm a .NET developer, I'm doing a lot of .NET, Visual Studio, right. you know, it's still on Windows, but I'm, you know, every now and then I need to jump, jump into my Ubuntu and SSH yeah. and run all those tools and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the sweet spot for that. So Windows 10, is that right? Yeah, so it's on Windows 10, Fall Creators Update and above yes. for the current version of WSL. Okay. Uh, we just announced that build here, WSL 2. Right. Uh, which is a, basically a new architecture for WSL. Yes. Um, it's going to be available to Windows Insiders mm -hmm. at the end of June, mm -hmm. um, and then it's going to be available after that. Um, okay, so let's go into that a bit deeper. So for those of us who know WSL, and I know there's a lot of people in this who listen to this podcast are already using uh, WSL. Right. What's WSL2, and, and what, was, <laughs> what did you announce this week? Tell us about that. So WSL2 is a new architecture behind WSL. So a distro can either run as a WSL1 distro, which is the ones you're very much used to, and or as a WSL2 distro. They run side by side, and you can upgrade or downgrade at any point. Right. And the benefit of switching to using the WSL2 architecture yes. is that you get way faster file system performance. Mm -hmm. So if you're unpacking a tarball, it's actually 20 times faster than WSL1. Awesome. While things like Git clone or NPM install are about like two to five times faster. Fantastic. And also, you get full system call compatibility. Yes. So you can run things like Docker, mm -hmm. Fuse, mm -hmm. um, a bunch of other stuff, all in the native Linux environment. So Docker's the big one for, for us, yes. right? Is that finally be able to run Docker. <laughs> so, and I saw a tweet, you know, saying we're, we're shipping a kernel, we're shipping yes. a Linux kernel on Windows. So yeah. What is, I mean, is that really what we're doing? <laughs> Tell me <laughs> more really about that. That's really true. So 
It's awesome. It's a, it's a cool sentence. Windows is shipping with a Linux kernel. Uh, and so that's the changes that we made uh, to make WSL2 possible. Mm -hmm. So WSL1 was a translation layer. Yes. Um, so that any system call would end up on the Windows NT kernel. Which is an amazing engineering story in itself. Oh, yeah. Right? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and WSL2 moves to a new architecture where we do virtualization. Right. So anytime uh, we have a system call, it's actually going to a real Linux kernel um, on a virtualized machine. Yes. And I say virtualization is exactly. a scary word. Yes, yes, you think yes. of a VM and you're like, oh god, it's going to take minutes. Cluster? Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's not that, right? We're it's, talking about the, the comp computer science definition of a virtual machine. Right. And it's a lightweight utility VM. It was originally developed for Azure. Mm -hmm. um, it's already in use with things like Windows Sandbox. Really? Um, yeah. And so we use that tech to basically have a VM that spins up in one second. So yeah. when you're totally no VM, no virtualization, right. to having a working bash shell in under a second, um, okay. as well as use just little to no memory, you never need to configure it and never need to worry about it. It's something yes. that runs, runs totally behind the scenes, so you do not need to worry. It's the exact same user experience as WSL1. Yeah, fantastic. And someone from your team uh, posted on Twitter a, a, an image where we're basically saying the NT kernel is actually also an abstraction running on a, uh, sorry, is also a, a, a runtime running on a virtual machine, right? Yeah, so when you actually install, we, we're based on the Hyper-V platform. Yes. And so when you install that Hyper-V platform, it actually runs, the hypervisor is the first thing that interacts with all of your hardware on your computer. And then that hypervisor communicates to the Windows NT kernel yes. and also to your Linux kernel in your yes. virtualization. Okay, okay, that's very cool. Um, and so you've got the performance benefits. I mean, you know, as I said to you yesterday, you keep surprising uh -huh. us with, with the cool things you're doing on <laughs> Linux, on Windows. I mean, where do you go from here? What are, what are your team working on? Is there, is there anything else you can, you can talk about in terms yeah. of, you know, what does that unlock for you for us in right. terms of uh, so Linux and Windows? The coolest thing is now we run on the same stack as Azure. So right. Azure is awesome. Um, and it, it's obviously being heavily invested in by Microsoft. Yeah. And so now any improvements that you get in Azure come directly to the Windows wow. subsystem for Linux. Wow. And for us, we fixed so many system call issues by moving to this new architecture yes. that we can focus on our other top customer asks. Yeah. It's like turning off this giant blinking red light of, hey, Docker doesn't work, Fuse doesn't work, right? Yeah, or this yeah, yeah. P-Trace doesn't work. Yeah. All of those go away with WSL2. Yes. And so now we can go, oh, like, Hey, there's a bunch of other requests that we have, right, um, yeah. inside of WSL that we can start working on. Oh, that's so cool. And just to clarify, so this is not me installing Hyper-V like I would have known the, the big hypervisor, that sort of thing. This is, yeah. you know, this is a, another new Windows feature. It's a tick box, so I could run a bit of PowerShell. Yeah, so you go to the optional feature component yeah. in Windows, yes. um, and you turn on the virtual machine platform Great. option. So it's okay. not, not Hyper-V, yeah. um, like the Hyper-V checkmark. Exactly, it yeah. uses Hyper-V architecture. Yes. Almost different. And the cool yeah. thing about this, it's available on all Windows 10 SKUs uh, that support WSL. So that includes Windows 10 Home. So you won't be left out if you're on oh, all that's, that's outstanding. Thank you yeah. so much for talking to us, Craig, on the, on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for awesome. having me. And, and nice to see you, Phil. Yeah, thank you. Azure Lunch is sponsored by Microsoft Fast Track for Azure, a team of engineers and program managers dedicated to helping you to be successful in Azure. Learn more at azure.com slash fasttrack.